Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of the Courtside Podcast, an NBA podcast. This episode is brought to you by YouTube channels Highway Temptation and Captain Barbo, who make content on YouTube weekly. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the pod. And today's pod is a little bit spooky right now on Friday the 13th. However, not as spooky as the Miami Heat beating the 76ers in six games and Joel Embiid getting eliminated for the second time in his career on May the 12th as he got eliminated yesterday with the 76ers in game six. Miami Heat taking that one 99-90. And honestly, throughout that entire game, Miami held a lead and was leading by double digits throughout with Jimmy Butler still putting up an impressive average of 28-plus points per game. He had 32 in that one as well as... Max Struess, 20 with 11 rebounds. Bam Adebayo, 10 points, 8 rebounds. Tucker, 12, 9 rebounds. And the most impressive part about him was that this isn't actually a game where he doesn't really shoot a lot of threes. He was moving the ball, attacking the ball a little bit more. So P.J. Tucker, a very unusual game from him. Ends up going double digits and putting up a lot of points as the offensive rebounds came in plenty for the Miami Heat as they beat out the 76ers. We'll go more into that later on in the podcast as well. The Devin Booker and the Luka Doncic rivalry that we're seeing right now as they go into a Game 7. That's right, into a Game 7. We'll go into that later as well. Plus, the plot thickens between the Memphis Grizzlies and the Warriors as well. The Celtics collapse in Game 5. I mean, what was that? But first, before we go into anything later on in the podcast, let's go straight to what I was saying before with the Heat winning it in six games. And this one was more or less, I mean, they went two straight at home in game three and four. Philadelphia winning two straight was going to go back to Miami for game five. And I remember seeing this game at a Flanagan's. And if you don't know what Flanagan's is, it's one of the most iconic food areas for like a sports bar and grill in South Florida. So I was at Flanagan's, I think at Weston, seeing this game. And... I looked at the TV once, you know, heat up by 8. Look at the TV again, heat up by 17. Look at the TV again. The heat led throughout the entire game, and the lead kept on growing as Miami blew them out 120-85 to 85 in that game 5. In a pivotal game, which I remember saying the last few times in the other podcast, that that game specifically will be deciding who goes on to the Eastern Conference Finals. That game five in Miami, it was either that Philadelphia wins three straight and they're going back to their house unannounced to anything that there's going to be an issue with Miami if they're winning three straight. But then Miami comes out and blows them out in Miami and they kept the lead going all the way into their next game in game six to win it out. And looking back at that game five, I mean, Max Drews, I have no idea that Max Drews will be picking up the load. When others do not follow through. Max Drews in that game 5. 19 points. 10 rebounds. Got himself a double-double. And yeah, sure. 40% from 3. But at the same time, he was 7-13 and 13 from the field. 53.8% field goal. Right? And then the others that followed through. I mean, Gabe Vincent on fire. Almost 72% in that game off the field. Right? Bam and Abile, Accurate as he possibly can be. But had probably the least accurate night. In this series, had 57.1% from field goal. Then P.J. Tucker gives you about 67 or so field goal. Jimmy Butler, 60% in this game with 23 points in that game five. Tyler Hero, I mean, 10 points, right? Victor Oladipo, 13 points. So you're going to get those numbers 
probably daily out of those two off the bench. And then Duncan Robinson, for the first time showing up in this series as late as a Game 5. I mean, as I said before, I wish I saw more of him, but, you know, maybe not for good reason because he only went 1-3 in that game and all of his shots were taking past the arc. So, Duncan Robinson struggles. However, everyone else on that Miami Heat team, even Dwayne Denman had a pretty impressive night in Game 5 and then they went in Game 6. And now the real question is, what happens to Philadelphia and Doc Rivers? Because there's been reports from Dorsey, the president GM of the 76ers, that Doc's job is safe in Philadelphia. There was talks about Rivers possibly going for the Lakers job. I really don't believe that would even happen to the latest because who wants to join that circus show over there in Los Angeles as the front office over there is horrible. But I do have to say, Doc Rivers said after the game, the press conferences, post-game, that... No one expected Philadelphia to be where they were. You know, he thought he did a great job this year. And he was a little bit tooting his own horn. And I have to say, I'm not saying anything negative. But no one said anything about Philadelphia not making the playoffs like they did. Philadelphia had the most standard expectation to make the playoffs as one of the top teams in the East. And a second round exit. That's what everyone expected out of Philadelphia. And I'm pretty sure that's what everyone expected of Philadelphia in this series. And yeah, sure, without Joel Embiid, everyone said sweep, but it wasn't like halfway through the series that Joel just shows up unannounced, maybe an hour, minutes prior of Game 3. So, in reality, you know, they met exactly what the expectations were, so I have no idea what Doc was saying. Maybe it's just Rivers, I mean, maybe the dialogue that he was giving to his team, that there's just the underdogs and no one expected to be there with that Philly grit, but, I mean... There were some pictures, too, about Doc Rivers on the sideline during timeouts talking to his team with an empty clipboard with no plays drawn, no nothing. And I had thought of immediately on Twitter, I don't know if anybody's seen this, but on Twitter there was this one guy that was in games one and two who got seats right behind the Philadelphia bench at the FTX Arena for games one and two and kept on taking pictures of Doc is not cooking nothing. He wasn't doing nothing. He, he wasn't cooking nothing for Harden. And that might have been true because I believe there was a question asked by a journalist and still in the post conferences for Philadelphia when someone asked James Harden that, you know, he was 0-2 in the second half and he wasn't getting the ball at all. And it was basically asking Harden, did Doc even do any type of plays to even give him the ball? And, uh, I mean, he said immediately next question. I mean, he looked pissed at that question alone, which is a, you know, a legitimate question, especially if you go for 11 points in a game six, that is a must win. And you're one of the better players in the NBA, let alone probably the best offensive piece on your offense with Joel Embiid being through injuries and a fractured skull. And, you know, he was, he was falling everywhere too. I don't know if Joel was on skates out there, if there was a bunch of ice that somebody put on the court prior in Philadelphia at Wells Fargo center, but man, Joel was everywhere on the floor. And I feel so bad for him though. He was my MVP throughout this year. He definitely deserved a little better of a run than Philadelphia has had during the postseason. But, I mean, what a postseason Philadelphia has had with Joel Embiid going through all those injuries. From the buzzer beater in Game 3 with Toronto all the way to James Harden picking up the pace in Games 3 and 4 with Joel to try to battle back in this series against the number one team in the Eastern Conference. However, no one talks about the Miami Heat. But they're going too soon, as the Miami Heat will make their way to the Eastern Conference Finals in the East. And actually the first team in the playoffs to advance 
as we look now to the West Coast here and Luka Doncic and Devin Booker. For some reason, somehow, that's a rivalry. I don't know how, but they did it. Devin Booker has been somewhat of a silent, cocky type of player right now. He's giving me a little bit of a Chris Paul vibe. It's almost like Chris Paul and his little, uh, you know, just being a jerk type of attitude is kind of rubbing off Devin Booker right now in his game. So Devin Booker has been going back and forth with Luka. Luka is talking about when they were down 3-2. Oh, everybody wants to talk big and tough when they're up. And, you know, oh, you know, we're seeing a bunch of other things I probably can't even say on air. Right? So now we're having this matchup going back and forth. And now to a Game 7 after the Dallas Mavericks blew out the Phoenix Suns at home, 113-86. to And in that game, man, Luka, he was everywhere 33 points in this one 11 rebounds two assists away from a triple double and he's giving you about 42.3 percent from the field but man luca was everywhere facilitating the ball getting brunson involved as well who ended off with 18 points bullock going off for a little bit of 19 points as well shooting about 5 and 11 from the three majority from the wing man was 45 and a half percent from three though that's pretty accurate i have to say and he's followed by finney smith as well who had not the best day, but he was still somewhat a defensive presence. He wasn't really all there in this game. I thought this was probably the weakest game out of Finney Smith in this series in Game 6. However, the Mavericks still win this 113-86. to And that is despite Devin Booker putting 39 minutes of play in this one. He only had 19 points in this. Went 6-17 and from the field. Now, if you knock down at least half of those shots, I mean, Dallas is still up. You know what I mean? Chris Paul, 13 points. Crowder, 9 points. Bridges, 7 points. The bench itself didn't even give you more than 20 points. I mean, we're talking about what? The highest guy was Craig? 6 points in that one? Even Bismack Biombo got some minutes there. He could barely even get himself a rebound. Only got 3 rebounds in this one. So it was almost like everybody but DeAndre Aiden was out in this game. And Aiden actually ended off with a double-double, 21 points and 11 rebounds for the Phoenix Suns there. So this game goes back to Phoenix, and this game will be on Sunday. They haven't determined the time yet because we're still waiting on other games who are in game sixes as well as possible finals that could be involved on Sunday. But, man, that game seven in Phoenix, though, that's going to be a big one because Dallas has a legitimate chance of winning that series. They do. But at the same time, it's it's kind of weird because it's something that you expect. Nobody has won an away game yet in this series. From the Phoenix Suns getting games 1 and 2 in the Valley to Dallas having back-to-back -back wins by good margins at Dallas. And then Phoenix wins game 5 by a blowout. Game 6, Mavericks win by a blowout. So this game 7, I mean, I have the Suns winning this one, but it's going to be difficult. And as I said before, Devin Booker is going back and forth with Luka right now at this little rivalry. I mean, Devin Booker has been getting himself like 28, 30 points a game. He's matching with Luka and seeing both of these guys go back and forth and probably not the prime of their level. I, I, I can't really say prime yet because we're so many years early than what we can say is near the ending of their career, midway through their careers. So we can't say prime of Devin Booker or Luka, but right now it's looking like these guys are at least in prime time season. 
I mean, these guys are playing primetime playoff minutes right now, and they're making the best out of it. So this game seven, I'm expecting if anybody's going to take the over of anything, take the over in this game because Luka and Doncic, oh, my apologies, Luka and Devin, they're going to go off. They're going to go insane in that game seven. And speaking of which of game sevens, we have two series where teams are trying to battle back in their game sixes to make it to seven. And of course, I mean the Memphis Grizzlies trying to face off the Warriors right now without John Morant trying to go into a game seven, as well as the Boston Celtics collapsing at the end of game five, trying to make it now to a game seven, which they actually play later on today on ESPN at 730 on Friday the 13th. But first, let's go straight into that Golden State series. And that one, that game five, man, Memphis answered. No doubt in my mind. I thought this series was most likely over. They'll be the first team leaving out of the playoffs, I said in my last podcast. I was not expecting Memphis to go full blast, whoop that trick in this game. And apparently that's now the song that they're going to be going into for Golden State. But let me explain right now. The Grizzlies winning game 5, 134-95 to over the Golden State Warriors. And this was a game that was looking close in the beginning of the first quarter. And throughout the first quarter, you know, Memphis had like a four-point lead. And then the second quarter comes in. It's like, man, Memphis is on fire. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they just can't miss. You know, I mean, Jackson Jr. ended off with 21 points. You know, Tyrone Jones, 21 points as well. Bain still 21 points. We had a triple 21. And, I mean, if you're from Vegas, I mean, I, I don't really gamble at all like that. But let me tell you, seeing three 21s like that, that must be a good round of the table. So, you got three players with 21 on, on the starting lineup, right? Brooks, Dylan Brooks, wasn't really all there in this game. He was 1-4 from three. And actually ended up going off with 12 points only. But the bench came in. And they did their job. So far... 10 points for Melton, right, off the bench. Williams, 11 points. Clark, 11 points. Conchar and Kyle Anderson, both having 9 points. We're talking about a majority of your bench having double-digit scoring, or at least close to it, right? And Steven Adams has come into this series as an absolute force on the board. 13 rebounds in this one. And yeah, sure, he's not accurate because he's obviously had to battle on with Kaminga and Draymond. But at the same time, man, I mean, the Grizzlies cannot be stopped in this one. I mean, they blew out Golden State in two straight quarters. We're talking about 39-22 to 22 in favor for Memphis in the second quarter, right? 42-17 to 17 in favor of Memphis in the third quarter. And by the fourth quarter, it's like, why even try? You know what I mean? I mean, Golden State, yeah, sure, they outscored them in the fourth quarter there by about, you know, 13 points. But did it really make a difference? No, they still lost by 30-plus. So what looks like right now is that Memphis, without John Morant, is still strong. You know, they had one of the best coaches of this year. They're going into Golden State now for a Game 6, which will be later on today at 10 o'clock on ESPN. And that one, I mean, I have no idea where I can go with this because I really do believe that Golden State should beat this team. And they should have taken Game 5. I don't no idea what was going on. That was not Golden State basketball in Game 5. But, man, let me tell you, though. I mean, 
The Grizzlies look great. They're locking down Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins. Both of them have five points in this one. Curry, 14 points in that. Was horrible from three in this game. Had about 37.5% from three. So if they even repeat anything like that for two straight games against Golden State, I'd be shocked. I expect this series to be done with sooner than later. Uh, maybe a win in game six. Like, I believe Golden State will probably get it done. But at the same time, this Memphis team has that Memphis grit, and you really can't count that out. And now it takes us to our last topic of the day. Another team, as I said before, fighting in their game six to make a game seven. The Boston Celtics right now are down in their series against Milwaukee Bucks, three to two. And this was all due to a Game 5 collapse. And the craziest thing about that Game 5 collapse is that the last two minutes, Marcus Smart, in a close game with Milwaukee, who was getting hot with Drew Holiday, who was finding his rhythm late, and then Connington getting three straight threes off the bat of that. Marcus Smart had the majority of the dribbles and possession of the ball for the Boston Celtics in the remaining, like, two to three minutes, right? In the last two minutes, Jason Tatum had dribbled once with the ball all the other Celtics none the game itself literally and figuratively was in the hands of Marcus Smart in the last minutes but the last seconds of that game the last minutes the last I mean just the last breaths of that game really in those final possessions were probably not the luck of the Irish but the luck of the buck that's the only way to describe it we're talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo going to tie this game. He misses the second free throw. Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart fighting for a rebound. Both of them knock it out of their own hands. And Bobby Portis is right there to put it back in with another offensive rebound, which the Bucks had 17 offensive rebounds compared to Boston Celtics' three offensive rebounds in this game. It was, I mean, what on earth is going on? Like the whole TD Garden there and all the Boston fans were in dismay. They were up by 13 going into midway through the thir third quarter. Then the... Bucks went on a run a little bit at the late, but still Celtics leading by nine going to the fourth. They lead the entire way in this game until 11.4 seconds in the fourth quarter remaining. 11.4 seconds was when the Bucks overcame the Boston Celtics, pushed through with Drew Holiday, who ended up finishing off the game strong, and they ended up taking that game five. And now the only thing could you ask yourself, because... Neither Milwaukee nor the Celtics have done it so far in this season. Will the Celtics win two straight? Will Milwaukee win two straight? Especially finishing this series now in game six in Milwaukee. That's the real question right now. And I'm pretty sure that's on everyone's mind. Because at the same time, you know, it's hard to win two straight against either of these teams. The Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks are probably the two best and most favorited teams to win the title this year. And the worst part about it, they're facing off each other in the second round this early. And so far, it's like a marquee matchup. It should have been what we sort of saw in Brooklyn, according to what some of the uh, experts tell us. But let me tell you, though. Game 6, and Scott Foster, the referee in this one as well, as it was just announced earlier today. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting what the calls are. It's going to be interesting how the officiating is going to be in play of this game. And as well, how's the Boston Celtics duo, the young duo of Tatum and Brown are going to be at least answering back to Giannis, who has been on a tear. I mean, not even that. Game six. Yeah, sure. Milwaukee was down the majority of the game, but Giannis still gave you 40 points in that one. 
And as I said before, Drew Holly, who got hot late, 24 points in that one, ended it off. And you look at the rest of the team. I mean, Matthews was horrible. Grayson Allen was bad. Brooke Lopez had a horrible game. 0-2 from 3, 1-4 from the fields. Only with 2 points out of 20 minutes of play. And then Bobby Portis definitely stepped up, replacing Brooke Lopez when, you know, Budenhauser was like, okay, this guy isn't doing it for us. And Bobby comes in, of course, having that game-winning shot at the end. But mind you, it was throughout this game he was being effective. 14 points, 15 rebounds. And majority of those rebounds comes off the offensive end on those second-chance points that Milwaukee was living off of in that game as they won it 110-107 in Game 5 in TD Garden. So will the Celtics be able to overcome this in Game 6? It's hard to say. It really is hard to say. I originally had the Celtics in six because I was not believing that Milwaukee would be able to win a game at TD. But man, have they proved me wrong. From game one to this game five, and it's those close minutes that the Celtics cannot finish as it is a young team, but at the same time, it's a young team with a lot of playoff experience. A lot of playoff experience. And a lot of people are saying this is probably one of the best teams the Celtics have had in about a decade, which could be true just because their last championship was about 14 or so years ago. But still, a young team going against the NBA reigning champs. And honestly, whoever wins this series will most likely go on to represent the Eastern Conference in these playoffs for the finals, maybe even win the finals. Honestly, if Milwaukee makes it past Boston, I can't imagine Milwaukee stopping. The Milwaukee Bucks will most likely win the NBA championship this year if they are not stopped in two games. And that's the real question. Who will be first to win two straight games? We'll just have to find out later on tonight. And don't forget to look at for our next episode Monday as I give you a review of those games six and sevens that I talked about. They'll be happening around this entire weekend and a little bit of a preview of the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'll see you guys next time and happy Friday the 13th.